0: horrific events, and the often ugly truths behind them. What you will hear is a detailed timeline of events, perspectives from those closely involved, and analysis by experts. What you will feel is the darkness that surrounds each story, the innocence lost by the victims, and hopefully, the justice that was ultimately delivered. Woo! Don Palumbo. Jonah Lanto. I'm excited to be uh, here, yeah, buddy. Yeah, I, me too. So, thank you uh, to everyone who has rated and reviewed the podcast. Thanks for listening today. Um, the comments, the feedback, and support that we've received from our listeners has been so fabulous. We truly appreciate it, and uh, and it um, it definitely takes us places, and, and it really helps us grow uh, to the podcast that we are and uh, the podcast that we we hope to be. And uh, so, if you can rate and review, maybe you will be. Um, or your review will be read on uh, on our show.
1: It's basically you. You can be part of the show.
0: Mm-hmm, pretty much.
1: As a, as a listener, you can be part of the show when you take a minute out of your busy lives to listen to this. We appreciate you, and we appreciate it when you take a minute on iTunes to rate and review us. Right. In fact, they recently, get. Patty Joe said, "Scary, great podcast. They tell you everything. I love that. I'm always wondering what's behind what we are hearing. You tell us." Thank you. See you in Fargo. Oh, that's so exciting. I love that little little shout out. We yeah. we'll, we'll be on tour in Fargo and it sounds like we're going to see you there. So Can't wait. Uh, be sure to say hi. Thank you. Uh, this one from Jacqueline Stewart. Once you start, you won't stop. And she's lovely by the way. I've, I don't yeah, I don't know awesome. Jacqueline, but um, so I went to high, she says, so I went to high school with Don and saw a post on Facebook about her podcast. I went and followed with every intention of eventually listening to a few episodes. Finally got around to listening and binged four episodes in one day. It's so awesome how at the beginning of each episode, Don or Jonah set the scene with current events so you can really get a feel of the times the stories are set in. Their narrations are awesome, and I've caught myself with my jaw dropped more than once. The setup of the presentation of the crimes are just really well organized, so it's easy to follow along and really get a feel for accurate facts. Great show. 10 out of 10 would recommend Bam! Oh Thank my you.
0: gosh. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. That's so awesome. Thank you. Very, we appreciate that.
1: Hey, listen, my jaw drops when I listen to this.
0: Mm-hmm, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, we're, we're both just blown away by the support that we've received so so far. Um, so again, if you're able to rate and review um, it helps us move up the charts and, and it does wonderful things for, uh, for our podcast that we, we love so much. So again, thanks. Um, speaking of support. This episode is brought to you in part by Shots Crossroads.
1: Shots Crossroads, Mm -hmm. the amazing new sponsor here at Midwest Murder. And I feel like in every small town, Don, throughout the, throughout the Midwest, Truck stops are kind of at the heart of the Midwest. Oh, yeah. I really, when yeah. I think of the Midwest, I think trucks, truck stops, and right here in Minot, we have our own legendary little spot, and it's Shots Crossroads. And and whether you're showing up for breakfast at uh, eleven a.m. or one a.m. after a, mm-hmm. a good good hard night at the bar, Shots Crossroads is is there for you. The fries are always oh, crispy. Breakfast and gravy. Fries and gravy.
0: Fries and gravy. Mm-hmm. Sign me up. Uh, and at one point, they got rid of the, the crinkle fries. I remember this was like ten years ago, maybe maybe fifteen. People were up in arms, and those crinkle fi- crinkle fries are, are were brought back by popular demand. So it's we need to keep you know keep proving
1: that. Yeah, and my favorite. I- Oh my we, gosh. We love shots. I got childhood memories of mm-hmm. chicken strips and French fries and pinball. <laughs> thanks to shots. Crossroads. They're open 24 hours a day. All their pies homemade. Oh man. And their pies, the pies are They're incredible. So
0: Pret pie. One of the only places they have it.
1: You can online order now at cool. shots, com. So I, I also love that our, that our truck stop here in Minot shots, crossroads has modernized mobile gift certificates, online yes. services.
0: So even if you're not you from around know. here, um, send it to somebody, you know, and that if, would be it,
1: yeah. it, yes, right. Mm-hmm. Send it to a, to a friend of yours, somebody that you, that you know, and we we love it. Let them know if you if you're popping in, let them know you appreciate their support of, of Midwest Murder. Yeah, Thanks again. Really do. Yeah, thank uh, you. this episode brought to you in part by Shots Crossroads. Cool.
0: So today's episode of Midwest Murder will take us to Sutherland, Nebraska, a village in Lincoln County. Uh, so in Nebraska, to be a city, it must have at least 800 inhabitants. So, Seems like a
1: low entry point,
0: right? So a village is still a municipality but has 100 to 800 inhabitants. So in other words, Sutherland is small town Midwest. And they call themselves the biggest little village in Nebraska. So today's story, um, takes place in 1975. And even though Sutherland's population was over 800 at the time, they remained a village because the townspeople voted a couple years before to remain that way, regardless of the population. That's great. Yeah. We're so not now, changing. Yeah. So now they're like a little over a thousand. Okay. Yeah. So still village status, still, still village status. Okay. Yep. So the Teensy village is about, um, 24 miles from North Platte and pretty much like right in the middle between Denver Colorado and Lincoln Nebraska so just a couple hours from Lincoln and a couple hours from Denver so it was the the town was founded or pardon me the village was founded in 1891 thanks to the rail railroad and was also named after an official with the Union Pacific Railroad his last name was Sutherland so the Union Pacific Railroad um, today remains a very large part of Sutherland and in addition to agriculture in the area um you know obviously it was a you know, it was a main thoroughfare. So and another fun fact, um, before you died of dysentery on the Oregon Trail, you would have hopefully passed right by this little gym in Nebraska because that is one of the two trails and two Pony Express routes that parallel the town. So they're, they're really built on history. This is um, a
1: significant little yeah. village. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Wow. Yep. Yep. I, so, I, I already want to visit this place. I know.
0: It seems kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, um, I'm
1: going to find a reason. <laughs> I know.
0: Hey, just go. Hop yeah. in the car and go. That's totally worth it. Road trip. Yeah. So the, the year 1975 was a dark one, uh, but there were also some positive things that happened. After Nixon resigned in 74, President Gerald Ford declared that there would be no further involvement in Vietnam. And that signaled the end or the withdraw- withdrawal of U.S. troops and then the surrender of South Vietnam in April with the fall of Saigon. Ella Grasso became the first female U.S. governor who did not succeed her husband. Um, so it took us that long to get a to get one. Um, Iron Lady Margaret Thatcher became the first female prime minister of the U.K. And the United Nations named the year 1975 International Women's Year. Uh, also in this year, Microsoft is founded by Bill Gates and Paul Allen.
1: In 75. In
0: 75, wow. yep. Okay. Gerald Ford survived his second assassination attempt. Heiress Patty Hearst was kidnapped in Berkeley, California by the Symphony's Liberation Army, or SLA, if you will, bringing the term Stockholm Syndrome to many vocabularies. And NBC has two major debuts with Wheel of Fortune in January and Saturday Night Live in October.
1: So Wow, that's a big deal. Yeah. Still around today. Really, yeah. the debut of SNL was 75. I love it. I love those early years.
0: I know those are those are pretty fun, yeah. Um, the Broad Street Bullies, aka the Philadelphia Flyers, won the Stanley Cup. Golden State Warriors won the NBA championship. The Pittsburgh Steelers, not surprisingly, beat the, the Vikings in Super Bowl Nine.
1: Steel curtain years.
0: Yep, yep, and still suffering from the curse of the Babe. My beloved Red Sox were defeated by the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Reds, not surprisingly. So, um, and then in big news in '75, the Thrilla in Manila, the final boxing match between Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. Uh, where Ali won by TKO after 14 rounds. Uh, um, legendary. That was legendary. Yeah. And the name came from Ali's quote about the fight, a killa and a thriller and a chilla when I get that gorilla in Manila. So that's why they called it the, the thriller Manila. <laughs> I never knew that until I was looking it up. I'm like, oh, dang, that's why. I, yeah, I never understood. So anyway, uh, the year 1975 would also bring us some sweet tunes, uh, with, uh, Love Will Keep Us Together by Captain Antoniel. <laughs> Um I had to put that one in there. I don't think it was chart topping by anyone. One means. of
1: these things doesn't belong here.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Um it does belong in my heart though. Um Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, so you know, obviously there huge, right? Sweets Ballroom Blitz. That's that is my favorite version of it too. Ballroom Blitz. Mm-hmm. Yep uh Rhinestone Cowboy by Glen Campbell and bringing much joy to my father some kind of wonderful by his favorite band Grand Funk Railroad grew up on those guys um and movies didn't lack either we watched Rocky Horror Picture Show huge right um One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest Jaws and of course, also a favorite of mine, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. So yeah, it was a big dang year. You notice that I always put, I I put my favorites in there. My favorites. (laughs) Look, man,
1: I, I quote Monty Python and the Holy Grail a lot in my life. And it's, it's, it's one of the most funny movies. Yeah, it
0: is. Uh, The meaning of life is the one I quote more, but yeah. Uh, So into today's story, Uh, you know, most children aren't aware of someone watching their comings and goings. And most parents in that time couldn't even imagine someone doing so. And this episode is one of many cases that proved otherwise, and just one of a few cases that would also change journalism and push freedom of the press to its limits. Mm -hmm. So kind of a groundbreaking
1: one. In the village.
0: In the village of Sutherland. Yep. So Henry Kelly and his wife, Audrey Marie, made their home in Sutherland, Nebraska. Henry, who was in farming, um, was semi-retired at this point. Uh, He was a hardworking, serious fellow who loved his family more than anything, Um, And even though he was a serious man, he was a kind hearted guy who was often seen giving strangers who may be down on their luck, um, just a generous hand up where, I mean, even bringing, um, bringing those strangers or bringing someone home so he could have a, 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 you know, that person could have a warm meal. Uh, Audrey Marie. Who went by Marie was was also a kind-hearted person. She was a great cook and a cook and and loved to do so. She used her cooking and sewing skills at the lo- local nursing home um, to help out a little more um, and and just kind of contribute. Henry and Marie had three children: Audrey, the oldest; David, and then Jenny. The family lost Jenny nine years prior, um, so 1966, in a car accident um, at an intersection outside of town in a rural area. A grain truck. Um, rolled over and crushed Jenny's car. Oh. And as first respon- responders peeled open the vehicle, um, they found one-and-a-half-year-old Florence, her daughter, injured but alive um, and, and shielded by her mother's body. Uh, they kind of think that um, that her body saved the, the, the baby. Um, so after that, her grandparents became Florence's legal guardians and raised her as their own. David, 32, uh, was as, as serious and hardworking as his dad and worked in a nearby town at a, at a grain elevator. And a father of two was, was, uh, was just starting to adjust to life again after a recent divorce and had even began, um, getting serious with someone that he was dating. Audrey, with the oldest, she was 37, had just moved, um, from North Platte. So just, um, just outside about 24 miles, like I'd said, from, uh, Sutherland. She'd moved from North Platte with her husband and four children in tow, um, to Boulder, Colorado, uh, a few months before. Her husband was a, um, was a pastor. So they, they tra- uh, traveled over there and, and set up shop there for a job. So, um, yeah, so definitely a family that was, you know, they, they definitely lived heartache, but, you know, they were hardworking, kind people. On October 18th, 1975, a warm, breezy fall evening, 10-year-old Florence Kelly was playing with some neighbor children in their yard, carrying on like any girl her age would. Her grandparents, Henry and Marie, had left to drive the short distance to North Platte for some quick shopping. And after Florence was done playing with the Boggs children next door, she went inside her small white home and played while she waited for her grandparents to, to get there or to get back. Shortly after going inside, there was a knock on the door, and on the other side of, on the other side of it was neighbor Erwin Samance, or Herb as someone called him. Erwin Samance, 29, was an unemployed handyman who was living with his sister and her husband right next door to the Kelly family. He struggled with drinking and untreated mental health issues. Henry Kelly, being as generous as he was, had helped Samance numerous times, um, giving him little odd jobs around the farm with his cattle and stuff and even paying his bond when he had been arrested. So Irwin had uh, even done some work um, just kind of for the family, like for Aud- Audrey, had even helped them pack up when they moved. So
1: And, and not a stranger to no, this, this, not. this young yep. this young kid who is at yep. home. Yep. Yep. And so remind me, how old is this kid at home when this name 10 years old. It's okay. 10 years old. Right. And,
0: you know, so it's 1975. It's a different time, right? Would I leave my 10-year-old now and drive 24 miles one way? Probably not. Some people would. You know, pro- I, I probably wouldn't, we, you know, yeah. but I mean, I might, I, I might run... You know, across town or whatever, but you know, because they can legally be alone. But it was 1975. It was just very different time. It
1: it, it was. It was a very different time, and I just want to. We often look at these situations and think in modern times, oh, I wouldn't let my. I would never do that. I would never do that. Yeah. But but I want to remind everybody. In spite of this this podcast, it is the safest time ever to be alive. There is less murder now than there was then. Like all the numbers are down.
0: Much much to everybody everybody's opinion is that murder is up. No.
1: It's, statistics are it's, it's down. down. St- Statistic Vi- violent down. crime and yep. murder is in is in fact down, mm-hmm. and it's well, it's because we're basically a surveillance country. Right. Now, but <laughs> everybody's right. got a camera right. on their house. Yeah. There's there's more cameras on traffic signs. There's more yep. cameras outside of yep. businesses. So I just want to say,
0: we 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 can't we can't Monday we morning vigil- quarterback this. Yes, right? you we know? should
1: be vigilant always, but the world is is it, safer. It's it's
0: safer. Yep. So after spending the well, hang on before I move on, because. It is, it is safer and we're more aware. We're more point. aware. I think that, I think that's worth stating there's, too.
1: There's more laws in the, in the there, cases that yeah. we've covered here. There's right. more laws and more, there's more right. awa- awareness for different forms of abuse, exactly. types of people yep. who are committing yep. these abuses. Yeah. There's a lot more awareness. Yeah.
0: So I, I think that now I can move on. Yeah. Now no, I'm let's good. No, yeah. it's key parts. good point. <laughs> so after spending the afternoon drinking at two different bars in town with some family and friends. Uh, Irwin decided that it was time to head home. So at approximately 8 p.m., he asked his sister to take him to her residence, and she dropped him off and went back to the bar.
1: And her residence, again, is the neighboring ne- house. Yep, next
0: door. Yep, okay. yep. So Samance had been watching Florence Kelly, and no one likely knows for how long. At about 8.15 p.m., watching Florence as she went inside her home, he grabbed his brother-in-law's 22 caliber rifle, told his 13-year-old nephew, Butch Boggs, who was watching his, his uh, siblings, to keep the kids inside, and then went to the Kelly residence. After letting Samance into her home, Florence closed the door and Samance began sexually assaulting her. She resisted, but he continued, and when she threatened to tell someone, he shot her, point blank in the forehead with the rifle. <sighs> According to court documents, Samance, having not even left the bedroom yet, heard Henry Kelly walking into the house, snuck up on him, and shot him in the head from the bedroom doorway. Then shortly after, Marie walked in, and she was shot in the head. A short while later, Henry and Marie's son, David, along with his two children, seven-year-old Deanna and five-year-old Daniel, walked into the house ready for their evening visit, and then were all shot in the head, in the living room of the home. Autopsies showed that after their deaths, Florence, her grandmother Marie, and her cousin Deanna had all been sexually assaulted. Autopsies also showed um, gunpowder po- gun residue that, that indicated that they had been shot at close range with a rifle.
1: This is, this is insane. That
0: <sighs> mm-hmm. Yes. Samanz left the home at about 9.30 p.m. and went back to his sister's house. He unloaded the gun and put it away in his brother-in-law's bedroom, then went downstairs to the room he was staying at or in and on a scrap piece of paper scribbled, I am sorry to all. It is the best way out. Do not cry. End quote. And cry was spelled incorrectly. It was it was poorly written. You know he was not a, a well educated person. Um, cry was spelled C R I E, and the note is just a little like ugh. It, it just it just feels icky. He left the note by his bed and walked upstairs. Uh, he told his nephew Butch that he had just killed the Kelly family and that he should call his mother to come home. He then went to his parents' home and confessed again. His father Amos having not believed his son's confession, reportedly went to the Kelly home to see for himself. And he was met with the reality of the terror that his son had just caused. Knowing this, he went back to his home and alerted authorities. And when he when he got there, he had found that his son had already left. So Erwin Samants ended the day the way he began, which was by drinking just a little bit more. He'd had a couple beers and wasn't seen again that night. Some reports even say that he um, uh, confessed to the bartender as well, or one of the bartenders. So meanwhile, a deputy with the sheriff's department called the local TV station, KNOP, to put up a warning causing immediate panic. Quote, everybody lock your doors and windows. Don't answer your door without a thorough check of the person knocking or ringing your doorbells. There's a sniper loose with a shotgun and he's killing people. End quote.
1: End quote. Okay. So,
0: how's that for encouraging people to remain calm?
1: Well, it's not. It's not remaining calm either. And you, I, I know. I guess it's not meant that. But my first thing is, you can't snipe anybody can't, with a shotgun. Well,
0: or a rifle. Yeah, yeah. it's a rifle. Well,
1: I know. I but, know. But but, it,
0: but you can't even call him a sniper. Like again, no, this is 1975,
1: right? So, but they so, just but just, know, but just say know. that there's a
0: sniper lo- on, on the loose with a shotgun. The, you know, and so they don't even know like. Yeah, they don't. They don't even know at this point that it's a a rifle. Right? I feel like
1: they did the right thing to try to keep everybody safe because sure. you know, like that 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 is a mass murder. And oh, you absolutely. Don't, you, have, it, yeah. you can only assume this this person is capable right. of. They don't know of, anything of, at of this more. point. Yeah, they don't know anything. yeah. Yep. And that, yeah, of course, it, ringing out, you're locking doors. Yeah, you're.
0: There were, you know, many residents that were just, you know, sitting there waiting with their own. Um, Rifle or shotgun or anything, I don't doubt just it. waiting. I, you know, just waiting. In a small because place no, again, like nobody this, knew, right?
1: Irwin, having left that, I, I imagine he's he's got to be dirty. Like he's out there, he's out there. You know,
0: that's the thing. Nobody, I mean, he's out there in, seen his, him yet.
1: in his in his in his in his murder clothes, just having a beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, obviously, panic ensued for the entire town. Nebraska State Trooper Terry Livingood was called to the scene. And he originally thought that his um, his boss was playing a joke on him right they didn't see a lot of this um so he was he was called to the scene and, and what he would see there would be unlike anything else he'd um, experienced in his career and he was he was almost 30 years he'd never seen anything like it and never that, would
1: that gives me chills.
0: When he arrived, he was told 32, 32 year old David had been taken to the hospital but died while en route. So he was still alive, um, but but died on the way um, to the hospital. And after arriving and taking the scene, Trooper Living Good went outside um, to get something from his vehicle and was stopped by a, a man outside. He introduced himself as a neighbor and said that his brother in law may have been the one to have killed the family. And Clearly, you know it. It didn't take law enforcement long to figure out that it was in fact Irwin Samantz that had committed this this awful crime. At the crime scene, Trooper Good and his partner spent more than five hours collecting evidence, which included nine bullet casings along with hair and blood samples. The interesting part is Trooper Livingood spent so much time with the evidence that he actually assisted um, the prosecution with the assistance because with the evidence because he had spent so much time with it and knew it in and out. So the biggest issue was was that they couldn't find him. And so, as if this entire thing isn't terrifying enough, Samance was lurking in the tall grass just behind the house his family lived in, and the house that he had brutally killed six members of the family in. So, so he's he, in basically in the backyard.
1: What? Yeah, he was just
0: hiding out in the grass, just hiding out in the tall grass. He was right there. At one point, even Trooper Livingood said to his his partner, "Do you suppose he's out there watching us?"
1: Because you always of- get that. you always get that feeling in? You know, I, I feel like we we know now it, it is not uncommon for a killer to return to the scene of no, the crime. No, right. and So, so it's, it's and one of those right creepy, now, instinctual things.
0: Exactly. And that thinking, that thinking was kind of new on the scene. So that's, they had just been to a training and that's what, you know, that, so it was super duper creepy because they were, I mean, he was, right? Well, he was right there.
1: They didn't, they didn't send out. Search teams and and scour. Usually, it's like okay. I just I I, I, would, I I envision okay. We've got a killer on the loose. All hands on deck. Right. Everybody, Why didn't anybody
0: uh, search the grass and
1: find him? Well, you just spread out from the home. All right. right see see if you can find anything around the home. And, yeah. And, I, yeah. Again, but it's not like he wasn't there the whole time. Eventually, he he returned. It. He obviously went out for his beers. He went a few places, but then just went. Oh, I'm gonna go lay in the grass by this house where I murdered mm-hmm. everybody.
0: Yeah. So the the next morning Evans quietly walked to his sister's house just nonchalantly and was immediately arrested by Lincoln County Sheriff. So he he just went back home after confessing and then just went back and and there he was. So he's ultimately charged with six counts of murder and what seemed like an easy open and shut case was anything but. We should be able to just end the story right here.
1: I feel like the story he <laughs> right? he killed these people he's he very twisted That's he it. confessed it's bad. That's it.
0: Buckle up. Uh, it is because there's more, there's more at the end of this story than there is, you know, get even getting to this point. So a, a quick little uh, just history lesson. In 1966, there was a major case that caused uh, quite a bit of an uproar. Okay. So Shepard, um, Samuel Shepard, not the actor, was, uh, he was convicted of secondary mur- second degree murdering murder like I'm murdering murdering second degree murder um he had supposedly um bludgeoned his pregnant wife to death so he was found guilty and he challenged that verdict um, because of an unfair trial so he he said he was innocent and he said that the trial judge failed to protect him from the massive um prejudicial media publicity that you know was a part of his prosecution and so they agreed on appeal from an ohio district court um, ruling the sixth circuit court of appeals reversed that decision and he was uh and and pardon me it went to the sixth court of uh, sixth circuit court of appeals and then and they did not and then he went to the the supreme court and and appeal you know, appealed to them and they um in an eight to one decision, they said that Shepard did not receive a fair trial.
1: So Well, that's completely lopsided Supreme Court vote. R-
0: right. So that tells me, like, oof I mean if it's eight to one, you know, I don't know what it was in, in other than a bunch of old white guys in in uh in the in the sixties. Okay. I'm not sure how, you know, because right. I'm, I'm literally looking at their pictures right now; they are all old yeah. white guys. So I don't know what. Um, so he got what his, their views his were murder case overturned. Overturned. Based on that. Yep. And so did they
1: take him to trial again, or does that mean he he?
0: So it is my understanding that yes, they did take him to trial again. He was acquitted, okay. and that was it. And so he was acqui- they, and so they wanted to avoid <laughs> this. They they wanted to avoid this. So the reason I tell you that is because it plays a. Big old part in this. I, I'm assuming so. so.
1: And, and before you go on, I I, w- mm-hmm. I want to say that in in I, I in almost every case ex- that in many of the cases so far that, that that I've researched as part of Midwest Murder, these guys always always claim they make the unfair media claim. Right. There's, there's right. an appeal. I, I
0: think in the sixties and seventies, they had some legit, the all, legit things. They, for you sure. Know, it was, right? it was
1: different then, but like they all make them, they made yeah. them in the, they made them in the call case. They made them in the Nugebauer case. Uh, right. they make them in the case that, that, that the, the next one that I'm working, that I'm, that it's coming out. Mm-hmm. so they, they always try to say, always there say there that. was an unfair yeah. trial based yeah. on media bias. Right. And it, the, 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 you can read the appeals. You can go online yeah, and read, you the can appeals, read them right there and they get them shut down. So, mm-hmm. Anytime now you see that or hear that, wow. It's, uh, right, it's, it's right. Big.
0: You know, because if you look at the 60s and 70s and even all the way back to like Bonnie and Clyde, you know, when, when, um, you know, what was that? The 20s, 30s, you know, when, when um, so, so many of these uh, situations, these murders were glamorized, right? I, I mean, so it was, and we, we really didn't have a line of what is appropriate and what isn't um, and, and what should be published and what shouldn't um you know so i think i think in the 60s and 70s they yeah they had some legit concerns and but also on the on the media side i think they had some some legit concerns too so yeah it's it's um, yeah i think pulling that now it would be really hard to 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 pull that off
1: i kind of hope so
0: yeah for sure so, with that situation still fresh in the criminal justice system's mind, County Judge Ron Ruff uh, issued a gag order for the media and then blocked them and the public from sharing any testimony that was presented at Saman's preliminary hearing. So, a preliminary hearing, real quick, is is um, it is the uh, the where you would go, right? Um, you have to prove that there was a crime committed and then probable cause that the defendant did it. So, okay. very basic, very simple. You know, it's where you see on TV, you know, guilty, not guilty, you know, those kinds of So that's where you enter your case. Guilty, not guilty. Do you have a lawyer? Right. Yep. Yep. So it's kind of where you declare everything and the state has to, um, that the state has to put their case out there. They set a bond
1: right there if there's going to be a bond, I believe. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. So, um, yeah, very, very basic. So to, so he had a gag order for that one and then wanted to restrict everything. So my thought of, my thought is instead of issuing a gag order and then pissing everyone off, Why not just limit the testimony and not gag the press? Like, I mean, I can, uh, looking back at this, you know, 45 years later, right? Right. Or 40 years, 40. Yeah, I suppose. Um, You know, it's easy for me to say that, you know, but in in coming off of this case and not wanting to screw it up, I can imagine, you know, I can understand why he felt that way, you know, but then on the other hand, um, you know, I can also see why media outlets were in an uproar. So they appealed the gag order to the Nebraska Supreme Court and then got all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. Yeah. So, because the trial uh, isn't going to stop, Samants pleaded innocent to the charges in November 1975, and his trial was set for January 5th, 1976. So, with the original gag order tied up in court proceedings, District Judge Hugh Stewart felt his hands were tied and was basically forced to issue another order that limited press coverage of the trial. Wow. So, this, this one stopped the press from reporting anything about the confession or admission of guilt, no identities of the victims who had been sexually assaulted, which... That shouldn't be out there anyway.
1: But no. was that out there?
0: They, yeah. They, but that was out they, in the they, press. Were going, they were going to hear that, and okay. so he limited that. Wow. Uh, yeah. And then no results of the pathology reports um, and no specifics of the gag order. So they couldn't say what they weren't allowed to talk about. So in order to just continue to move on, Samantha's defense attorney made a motion on December 23rd, just before the trial began, to sequester the jurors move, and move the trial from Lincoln County. And then, and and then, and then also close the, the the trial hearings to the public and press. So Judge Stewart agreed to sequester the jurors, but declined the trial move and didn't allow the pre- public or press to attend the jury selection. So they kind of met kind of halfway. This is a
1: secret trial at this point. Well, like, what is yeah, this? I
0: mean, they, like, holy, it's it's weird. I, so I mean, I can see why they would. So and the issue with with um, moving it, the trial from Lincoln County at the time in in Nebraska, you could only move it to a neighboring county.
1: Wow. So it had
0: to be a surrounding county.
1: These people are in over their heads. Right. So I'm it had so, so, so well it had it, it had to be a heads. so it,
0: it had to be the counties immediately surrounding Lincoln County Well, all of them had already been, you know, quote unquote soured by the media. So they were still hearing the same so it made no no sense to move it. So, ugh. <laughs> So they that's that's how that worked out. Um, so just as the trial began, and at this point, I mean, they're 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 pissed. They they're like, nope, we're fighting this. We're we're taking it. We're taking it to the next level. And
1: and Samant is being held this whole time. Obviously, yep, he wasn't yep. let on a bond nope, or no, anything. No, he was okay, he was okay, there.
0: Gay. Yep. But but looking at the time frame, I mean, it's obviously it's still very quick. I mean, this was October. Yeah. You know, the crime happened in October, in October of seventy five, and January, January seventy six. So this is a very quick timeline compared to, to modern times. It is. So, just as the trial began, or was to begin, um, Samance changed his plea from innocent to innocent by reason of insanity.
1: Wow. Yeah, big He's one. He's going for yeah. the insanity.
0: The trial had testimony from 24 prosecution witnesses and 11 witnesses for the defense. Entered into evidence and played for the jury was a taped confession from Samance, and he was asked if he had any reason as to why he murdered three generations of the Kelly family. His reply? No reason at all.
1: I, that That is so sick and twisted and oh
0: no reason at all
1: just I, like felt like i should kill someone today
0: you killed a family sick you you killed three no generations reason. yeah yeah so on january 16th 1976 11 days after the trial began the jury went to deliberation and the very next day returned with a guilty verdict of all for all six counts of murder and just under two weeks later on january 29th judge stewart sentenced a to death by the electric chair so, interesting fact, though, during this, Nebraska was working on repealing the, the, the death penalty. I
1: hate it that I'm happy that he got the electric chair. But, but, he, but,
0: ch- but repeal- they were repealing it. Of course they are. So I- it already bounced him into an automatic appeal. So, even though the trial was complete, the case of Nebraska Press Association versus Stewart was not. Five months after Samance was sentenced to death, the fight over the gag order reached the end when U.S. Supreme Court struck down the judge's gag order. In a unanimous ruling, unanimous again. Um, or not again, but definitely the last heavily. Eight to one, yeah, yeah, heavily. Yeah, but yeah. unanimous now. Chief Justice Warren Berger said there is nothing that prescribes the press from reporting events that transpire in the courtroom. Thread running through all these cases is that prior restraints on speech and publication are the most serious and the least tolerable infringements on First Amendment rights. End quote. Woo. Mike drop. In other words, the gag order was unconstitutional, and the highest court had said so. It should have never been done. So ask later uh, the editor of the North Platte Telegraphs.
1: They um, uh, were they were in they over their heads. They were trying so hard to not mess up a conviction. I mean, I get it. Yeah, I, 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 yeah.
0: I understand why. I, I, I mean, I really do. Yeah. Um, the the editor of the North Platte. So this and this kind of solidifies that um, the North Platte Telegraph said that looking back they regret publishing Simance's father's statement implicating Simance in the crime. They they had published that. They never should have done that. Sure. You know, and you
1: wanted to publish something juicy. Right, You, you wanted just, the next big, did. the, the next big scoop. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's no denying that Mm-mm. you went for it. Right. I don't even believe they were sorry. That was just he just the, well, but it's it a different apo- time. Remember? I know, but that's like, an apology issued because you had to issue one. You were you're not sorry. You well, sold papers. this was this you sold was years, papers.
0: but this was years later. Years later. Okay. So hopefully, I think you know maybe we reflected upon. Um, I'd like to believe that what think you know the way we did things back then was very insensitive
1: we've we've grown (laughs) yeah we have
0: grown some would call that soft or some would call that you know it's just a simpler time which just drives me freaking crazy you know it was a simpler time for you you know because you know it was there were so many things I'm not even gonna get on my soapbox never mind I'm not even gonna go there never mind Anyway, if if anybody ever wants to have that conversation about how I feel about that, I'd love to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So appeals continued for Samantz, and after two years, he was still on death row. There had been two execution dates set, but those had been stayed. Wow. And, uh, you know, remember, again, this is in, you know, it's in, it's tied up. He's going for insanity. Yeah. So in 1979, a motion was filed for a new trial claiming Judge Stewart visited the jurors while sequestered and that the county sheriff, who was also a prosecution witness, had played cards with them the court of appeals agreed that that was a uh, poor behavior because he was then given a new trial. So all of their oh, efforts, okay. all of their efforts to avoid screwing this up, I'll play some cards was just thrown away by the sheriff. Do you guys like
1: solitaire? Them.
0: You guys want to, yeah. Is, you guys want to play is, some canasta? I was
1: just gonna say like, canasta?
0: Come on. So on October 1st, 1979, Samantha's second trial for the murders of the Kelly family began. This time the trial was moved to Lincoln, a few hours away, because of pre-trial publicity.
1: And they called it the Peenuckle trial because, <laughs> right?
0: Well, <laughs> because yeah. of a card Hey, are you, are, are you got any hearts? <laughs> like, come on!
1: Yikes. Okay.
0: So, Samant so had also secured a new attorney, uh, and he it was a public defender who would go on to be one of the most respected defense attorneys in the state. And that's difficult to say for a lot of a, a lot of. Defense attorneys, no offense to them. I'm just I'm you know, typically they get a bad rap, right? For There's you know, it. a few bad apples. And and so for them to call him the most one of the most respected defense attorneys, that's huge. You know, so he was he was good at what he did and and you know, sounded like he did it by the book. And Sebans once again pled guilty by reason of insanity. Gu-
1: he pled guilty or pled not guilty oh, by pled, reason.
0: Pardon me. Pled not okay. uh, but, but no, no, he pled guilty by reason of insanity.
1: Oh, that's different. Yes. So okay, it sorry. is
0: so before they were pleading innocent. By reason of insanity. This one he was pleading guilty by, by reason, reason of insanity. insanity. So they were going through a different theory. So they at this this time they admitted that the Kelly family had been killed by Samance but he was not sane at the time. He was not of a sound mind. So they're not denying that he didn't kill them or that he killed them. They're just saying that he was insane, insane at the time. Yeah. So even though the insanity and defense was used in the first trial, the doctors in the original trial went over and over the icky details of the crime. So this time they were going to try to keep those, those details out, including evidence. You know, there was like a bloody sheet uh, and the, and then also the gruesome pictures of the crime scene and bodies. It worked. Uh, so a day shy of the fourth anniversary of the killings, the jury acquitted Irwin Simmons by reason of insanity after 18 hours of deliberation. The Lincoln County Mental Health Board committed Samans to the Lincoln Regional Center nine days later. I mean, just like that.
1: That's still life. You're still gone for life, right? Well,
0: yes, but you also have to be seen before a judge and everything, too. You know, to to make sure that you're still committed. So the verdict from the second trial, and so this is what's interesting: the verdict from the second trial prompted change to Nebraska's insanity law. And then nationally, when John Hinckley shot President Ronald Reagan in 1981. You know, so, I mean, okay, cool. So f- what was it before? Like what, you know, what changed? I
1: mean, I, 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 I feel like this is a ripoff. It's kind of a ripoff that he, you, you, you can just go and kill all these people and abuse their bodies and then say, yeah, I was insane when I did that. And I, and, and then you're stayed from the electric chair. And, and I don't know. It's hard to sit here and say, am I a proponent for lethal injection or the electric chair? And And I, the answer is truly, I, I don't know, but I certainly know that uh, for some of these people, that's what justice looks like. And to some of the families and friends of 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 the victims, that's what justice looks like. And it's for them to to determine to some degree in my mind how that works in the end. And it, so I don't know yeah. like this 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 it's always there's always some sticky little aspect of the court system. It just it just feels like he didn't get away with it. But, but to, he got away to, with but, it. But he got away with it.
0: So, and, and this is this is my my thing with um, with capital punishment, with with the death penalty. Is um, yeah, for somebody who did it, and and uh, I I struggle with it, and I'm I I'm going to talk myself in circles here. And I know it's and people are listening and be like, you literally just said nothing, and I know I I already know that I know I'm going to say nothing. But if we, how many cases have we gotten wrong and executed that person? right? That's if it happened once, it happened one too many times.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: No innocent person should suffer or for, should be put to death for something they didn't do. Now there are countless cases where we know for a damn fact, I mean that they've, that they've done it right. You know, you've got, um, you know, like He's I mean, you've you got Charles Manson. I mean, you know, all these things, I mean, it's there's, and there's even issues with that one. I mean, you know, so to, um, so please, please don't come at me and say like, oh, people deserve it. No, I, for people that we know for a damn fact. Yeah, maybe they do. I, but I, I can't make that decision. I, I can't make that decision. Um, and honestly, that's not my, um, it's not my place to make that decision. Well, now that you we've know,
1: done a true crime podcast, we will probably never be a juror again I know. Uh, if you, if you already <laughs> right. haven't been. So right. you won't have to, I won't,
0: I wouldn't. Yeah. You won't yeah. have
1: to. Yeah. Right. Realistically.
0: And, and there, yeah, we're out I mean, now.
1: We're out. I always wanted to be a juror. I'm never going to get to. Never. No.
0: Well, you might be on a civil
1: trial. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah.
0: Those are boring though. Um, no, that, that sounded insensitive, but you know what I mean? Um, so that's my, that's my stance is, is if, if, If we got it wrong one time, that's one too, that's one time too many, you know, and and I know that doesn't apply in this case, but he was also declared criminally insane, legally insane. Is that right either?
1: I don't know. It's you know. So what, 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 what happened then in in, in the end? So then he he gets put away.
0: So yes,
1: he's still there.
0: So the, the insanity law did change in Nebraska. And again, like I said, nationally, yeah. um, in 19, after 18, 1981, um, until the law was changed, it was on the prosecution to prove that an individual was not insane. So well, the, that sounds kind of... Well, it's backwards, right? Yeah. So the new law put the burden of proof on the defense to prove insanity, which is how that should be. If you're going to claim this, I shouldn't have to prove that, you know, you're not. That's so right? weird. Right. So it, it is. And it's still, to that, it's still that way to this day. Right. So it also gave judges, um, instead of mental health boards...
1: Gave judges it gave instead judges, of mental health boards yeah,
0: the authority to release patients when they were found not responsible by reason of insanity. So, say ten years later, the you know it's no longer up to the that board that that mental health board to decide if they should still be in, you know, or, or institutionalized. I guess for mm-hmm. lack of a better word, it would be up to the judge or up to a judge.
1: And the judge is going. And to be clear, too, I, I, I would. I would like to believe ultimately it's the judge's choice, but the judge is going to make an informed choice based on that board and based on doctors and based right. on, on things. So it's, it's yeah. not, it's not so arbitrary as like this, this, this mental health patient is going to write a letter to the judge and bypass the the, what right. the board right. is saying right. and get released. Right. So this so judge, you, I mean, this judge can, at, can, can and he can make a, a decision in spite of the board's recommendation, uh-huh. but rest assured it's well, gonna. It's not gonna makes, be taken lightly. Exactly.
0: Yeah, and so mental health boards. I mean, are so if you look at try to put it in comparison, like with a parole board, right? A parole board can decide when someone gets out. You know, if they consider them, you know, quote rehabilitated, mm-hmm. right?
1: And they might be working with the DA. Yeah. Might be working so with they, the have somebody, they have somebody. They have a parole right, officer.
0: Yep. They have somebody that they that they meet up with. They check in with the with the mental health board a lot of times if somebody if somebody was released and even with judges when they make the decision to release somebody out from out from under the state's care they don't have anybody they have to check in with so there is nobody to you know with a parole parole board you know they're hmm. the parole board you've got your probate or your parole your officer parole, parole you know you're yeah. you've you've got to check- in to make sure that you're you know you're holding down a job you're you know so the, i mean the parole board makes the decision it and and they you know they hear the the whether it be like a you know, victim impact statement, stuff like that, where mental health board, there's nobody to check into to make sure you're taking your medication, you know, if there is, if that is an instance, you know, so it's, yeah. so it really puts the, it puts the weight on the judge with this decision. and, And that's, I don't know, at this point, just reading through this in this instance, I think that's probably the right, the right thing. So every time Samans goes before the judge for release, the sole surviving child of Kelly of the Kellys um, stands before him. Audrey has since passed, and her husband and children now stand in her place. So for many years, doctors concluded that Samance was mentally ill and dangerous. He'd been diagnosed with numerous different mental illnesses, including schizophrenia, alcohol abuse, pedophilia, and also an alcohol-induced psychotic break. Mm. So, today, a panel of doctors and a state's independent psychologist agree that Samantha is no longer mentally ill. So, he has no, he is not a, pedoph- a pedophile. He is not pedoph- pedophilia. And because Samantha's mental illness is based on alcohol abuse, it's in remission because he resides at the Lincoln Regional Center. Okay. So, there's nothing saying that if he were to be released, there's nothing saying that he couldn't go back out and drink. Right. Right. So,
1: he's not it's, safe to it's be like, released. No and you that's what re- and that's what they're you, pointing you can't out. Release this. Like, I, I don't care. If you've observed he's no longer mentally ill,
0: well well and how, great, how can you see into the future and reintroduce somebody back into society? And and then guarantee that they're not dangerous.
1: I just can't. I'm sorry. You you murdered too many people no matter how far you've come in life, I can't you don't get to come back out into the world. Right. So, so, but 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 his
0: attorney is saying yeah that he has to be he has to be mentally ill and dangerous. Yeah. He has to be thought of to be mentally ill and dangerous otherwise he's got to release him if he's not oh. both of those the way the way the law is written so again i just i don't know how how you can see into the future how many ca- how many cases have you read how many stories have you heard that you know say the the person was uh, he was either incarcerated or or under the state's care whatever and this then gets out many. and it gets released and then and then kills more
1: this is too horrific of a crime you didn't man if if I could, I could, I could try to think my way into scenarios in which I might believe somebody after 25 years. Has recuperated, has been rehabilitated. and, and, re- and yep. rehabilitated, yep. Yep. and and deserves, or maybe has earned.
0: Were they eighteen? Were they st- you know? What are the circumstances? Were they eighteen? Were they manipulated? Were they, right. uh, was it a crime? Of, was, was it
1: a crime of passion? Was
0: it uh, was it untreated I, mental health? I, and now you are. Sure. like I mean, so many, could, so many instances.
1: Yeah. I, I don't want to go into all those right. scenarios, yep. but yep. I feel like maybe I could find I could sure. find one because sure. I have I have forgiveness in me. Sure. I do believe yep. in forgiveness. Yep. Yep. I do. I do. But this 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 person for, for this crime. No, right. No, it's too far. It's, 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 it's just too far.
0: So it's interesting you say that because Audrey, you know, the, the sole surviving child of the, of the Kelly's. Right. So she, she often wondered, and it crossed my mind too. She wondered what would have happened had they not moved? You know, her, she said that we lived, you know, 24 miles away and we would always pop over for a visit. Right. So Mm -hmm. what would have happened to her family? Yeah. I, I think it's terrifying to even ask, uh, or even think that. I shudder to think. Mm-hmm. And so she she did she did reach forgiveness, and it was when she met with the sister, or when Samantha's sister, and that is when her forgiveness started. You know, so she's you know, of course, longing for her parents, longing for her brother, niece, you know, niece and nephew, or nieces and nephew. It's, and, and she was able to, to find that. So I think I've said it a couple of times. I mean, to, to be able to find forgiveness is, is. Wow, I, I i can't even I can't even put it into words, you know. So Nobody in in 20 in 2019, can't. Samance, who was 74 at the time, he wanted to be transferred to a nursing home, but he was denied and was ordered to remain at the state psychiatric hospital and is currently under their care, under the state's care. So it's better that way for a couple more years. He's he's there. So this does come up every every couple of years. I I, I don't think there are many, many cases that have seen two different Supreme Court rulings. Um, You know, so this is, this is crazy. Yeah.
1: Well, and and to, to, to to know that, I guess that this case sort of impacted the changing of the insanity plea. Uh, There was, there was, there was several that did it, but this case is involved in all that.
0: Yeah. Well, right. I mean, to, to, there are you're you're right when you say that, but this this one was the the one that changed Nebraska's law and then gave, you know, the one for kind of um, paved way for, for the yeah, the, for nationally. The national. Yeah. Um and and just to it's so it's so funny, this is this is why laws can be changed, right? And they should be changed. If they don't you know, looking at that prosecution one, you know, where the it's on the prosecution to provide the burden of proof. You know when that law was written. Who knows? Who knows when that was, right? So to you know to to then change that and and you know sometimes things have to be looked at and because they're they're not written in stone and they're not written correctly. You know and and as we I think as we evolve and as we understand the mental health process and and then even you know if you look at Nougubauer, right? So that. He's, yeah. he's being looked at because his case was the one that, that changed it, you know, for, for North Dakota as well, for minors being sentenced to, to life without parole, right. you know, so a lot of these things, whether you agree with that or not, I, and I'm not bringing that case in, it's just, these things do have to be, they have to be looked at and they, They're and to they be should considered. be Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So resources for today, um, court documents, um, of course the New York times, KNOP news, AP news, Omaha world Herald and North Platte telegraph.
1: Folks, this is Midwest Murder brought to you in part by Shots Crossroads. A heart in the heartland of America, you will find truck stops, and right here in Minot, a little piece of the soul of Minot is Shots Crossroads. Open twenty-four hours a day, beautiful handmade pies and don. This is a crazy number. Did you know? You no, know, you didn't know this, but I'm going to blow your mind with this statistic here. At Shots Crossroads. You know, ranch is a big deal in the Midwest. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah. stop at a truck stop anywhere, particularly shots, you're gonna probably order ranch with whatever you're. I don't care if you're okay. ordering breakfast. So I don't. Or I'm or, not a
0: big ranch person, you, just you, out of
1: principle. Someone at your table is gonna get ranch. Oh,
0: oh hang on. If I'm gonna order I, every single time, I'm gonna order a bacon cheeseburger with their fries, with a side of ranch and a side of gravy every uh, time because it's homemade ranch and it's delicious at
1: Shots Crossroad. Mm-hmm. So it's homemade ranch. They make eight gallons of homemade ranch dressing a day.
0: Shut up. A day?
1: <laughs> a day. Eight
0: gallons a day? A
1: day. Right here. No wonder Absolutely. No wonder
0: we're overweight. I mean, we really, I mean, their ranch is so good, though. I would probably drink a gallon of it because it's so delicious.
1: Hey, it's a huge restaurant. We love them. We appreciate them. And I, I feel like if there's one restaurant in this area that everybody's probably eaten at at least once, it's, been, it's, 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 it's Shots Crossroads. It's, it's our sponsor. Yeah. They're here to support Midwest Murder. Also, a special thank you to CJ Wynn who helped write the intro to our show for Eric uh, also for to Eric Michael Anderson for recording the excellent intro music and to graphic design Nomad Design House who yeah. did our awesome logo Midwest Murder we appreciate you graphic design Um, Graphic design. I appreciate your graphic design work. That's what I'm trying to say. Alex, you're awesome. Guys, get a hold of Nomad Design House for all your design needs. This is Midwest Murder. We'll see you next time.
0: Bye. Bye.